listening to the Built Shapes Podcast, presented by Midco Sports. This holiday season, give the gift of UND Athletics to your family with a subscription to Midco Sports Plus, the best way to watch UND basketball home and away this summer league season. If you're not a Midco Cable customer or don't live in the Midco footprint, Midco Sports Plus, just $5.99 per month, and you can register now at midcosports.com slash streaming. This is how we do sports, and this is the Built Shapes Podcast. Yes, welcome to another edition of the Build Shapes Podcast. We are taping this on a Monday morning instead of a Tuesday this week. We'll tell you why in just a bit. Alex Heiner, Build Shapes. Build tis the season. Finals week. Holiday season is here. Snow on the ground. Last pod of 2021. Where did the, where does the time go, Bill? Time just goes by. You know, we're, we will... You know, there's different things in life that you mark time with, right? I think uh, for for some of us that, you know, uh, saw 9-11 occur, you mark that time. Don't don't you in sports parlance are always going to mark March of 20. uh, And, you know, it was maybe March 11th or whatever it was uh, of of 20. And I know it's crazy how fast, you know, you know, 21. And now we're done with 21. We're heading to 22. And so, uh, yeah, we're going to. We're going to try to get through uh, a lot of topics here, and I know that will probably be about, what, three weeks from maybe our next uh, recording. So uh, we'll do it when we flip the calendar over to 22. But, yeah, a few things have happened between the last time we've potted, and, uh, yeah, excited to talk about it. Yeah, a lot of really good news items, some Day-to-day stuff with a lot of our programs, the winter sports really getting into full steam now with men's and women's hoops approaching conference play, hockey in the midst of it as well, and football, by the way, which is which is never in off-season, it seems. That's the big reason why we're taping this on a Monday this week, because this Wednesday, UND football has National Signing Day, as does every other program in the country. Uh, Midco is doing a signing day special with the UND football team Wednesday morning at 10 a.m., a nice hour-long chunk with Bubba and the guys uh, from our studios, which is always a lot of fun. So sort of an anticipation of how busy tomorrow is going to be and then Wednesday with the show, etc. We've scooted up the pod just a day early to give ourselves a little more breathing space. But that is going to be fun. It's it's unbelievable that this is here. Like the season, now we're at the FCS semifinal point. That's coming up this weekend's signing day is happening. We spoke, Bill, I think last pod about maybe the idea of tweaking how early signing day is done because of what it has meant for transfers and coaches changing jobs and all this happening while games are still going on. There are some positives, though, and one of the big positives is you do get pen to paper with a number of your kids and you don't have to continue to recruit them all the way until February. The staff's got to be really excited about the class they're bringing and a number of kids who have verbally committed who are some big-time prospects around the upper Midwest. Yeah, we do, and we appreciate what Midco does for us on signing day. You guys do a great, great job, so it's awesome. But, but yeah, there is has been some conversation. And, uh, you know, since we potted last – Sounds like maybe early January is at least the initial thought process at this point. I was kind of hoping it was going to go the other way yeah. and maybe more like mid-October or, or you know, you could even discuss August, really. You could. There's some things you'd have to work around, uh, you know, in that regard, you know, if uh, let's just say a coach departs uh, after you've signed, you know, do you get the ability to potentially reopen your recruitment if you signed an NLI, let's just say in August? I, I don't know. I, I, I just, um, it seemed like, you know, this, this particular date, however that has gone, 
has been really uh, interesting when it comes to trying to figure out how to play the the, the back end of your season, the final part of your season, it, get into playoffs, whether you're in FCS uh, um, and or getting prepped for a bowl game, right, at the uh, FBS level. So I don't know. I, I, I think something will happen. I, I think there's been probably just enough clamoring at this stage as to what's transpired, especially this year, that I think you're going to see a tweak to that. Do you believe, Bill, from what you've heard, that will take place for next season already? This could be a change for the 2022 I think so. I think so. I, I really do. And, you know, um, it's a uh, it's fine. I mean, I, again, I, I think I think the idea of having it at least a month before what it was in early February previously, I think makes some sense. Um, but, you know, uh, I know the AFCA is uh, is certainly looking at uh, that at this point in time and talking with, uh, uh, you know, different conferences and football oversight committee with the NCAA. So I, I think you're going to see something, Alex. I, I, w- I would be really surprised if it maintained uh, next year the same way. But then again, who knows? This has been around, I think, for four. This is a fourth year, I think, that they've had. 17. 17, yep. So we've had a couple of years to feel it out, and it's never a bad idea to go back to the well and maybe try something different. There's just so much when you have a date like this that affects high school athletes, college programs. There's a lot of people to sort of keep in mind about who's going to benefit from when a date might be when and it's just it's hard to sort out there's there's just a lot that goes into these sorts of things but i'm glad they're taking a look at it and hopefully we'll make some maybe a swift resolution to try and get it try and do something else because obviously this this doesn't seem to be working maybe the way that they hoped it would yeah i mean i I think it's checked a box which was to try to get uh, the ability for a student athlete and or a school to um, get commitments officially from their recruits far earlier than it felt like after the season, it, it, you know, it just felt like uh, it was a long, long time it, it, when you got into February. But um, I think, I think the reality of it is if you have that first signing date and it's so close to each other, it seems like everyone for the most part are signing their classes on that, that first date. And so really it's, it's, it's made the February date almost a, a little you know, moot at this stage. And so I don't know. I, I, and, and maybe there's just a signing date, Alex. I don't know. Maybe the February one and the December one collapses into one in December, uh, in January. Yeah. All things to consider here. Well, we, we know this year, Wednesday, it's happening and we're going to cover it again from 10 to 11 in the morning on Midco Sports. Again, the UND football signing day special coming your way. So best of luck to Bubba and the gang as they finalize their class of 2022 in advance of the spring football season. Flipping gears from football to a, to the sports that are happening right now and actually are in competition, including hockey, who just concluded the first half of the season impressively on the road at Colorado Springs, a sweep of Colorado College. They go into this holiday break now solidly in first place, a six-point lead over their closest competitors in the NCHC. It, what a great first half for this North Dakota team. I, you just can't say enough about the job that Bradbury and the staff have done and the guys to come together like they have with 14 new players to basically just run it back. It's been the same type of success that they've had over the last couple of seasons with an entirely new cast of characters. Really impressive stuff from that group. Yeah, you know, I think all three of our, uh, you know, uh, winter teams, if you were, you were the um, hockey and two basketballs, uh, not, not indoor at this stage of the game, but but those three teams have all had, you know, roster changeovers, so to speak. And I, I 
you know, I think you get, you know, varying results based on how fast the team kind of gels and comes together. And, you know, some of it has to do with, uh, you know, availability of, uh, of, of players as well. And we're even seeing on the hockey side, right? I mean, we're, we, we were able to figure some things out without, you know, um, guys in the lineup. And so, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been great. I, you know, it feels like, um, you know, they certainly have bought into the team first mentality and, uh, and trying to figure, uh, you know, how they, how they play here at the university of North Dakota, because for a lot of these guys, you know, it's so new to them. I mean, even their home games, if you will. And then, you know, what it is to go on the road. And we've talked about that before going to new environments, you know, I bet you many of them never played at CC. I know all of them never played at the arena that they played this weekend, but at the end of the day, um, you know, that those are interesting things and they seems like they've handled them incredibly well kudos to the coaches kudos to the guys and uh yeah sets us up for for a fun second half uh but lots of work to do and i i would assume that this team you know probably thinks that there's a ceiling um that they've yet to even attain at this point in time which is encouraging and exciting and then to watch you know our uh freshman goalie get a uh, first uh start it, it, that was uh that was awesome. And, uh, you know, so lots of good things as we uh, now take a take a few weeks uh, off, similar to the pod, similar to our pod, right? I mean, we're taking a few weeks off as is the hockey team. <laughs> they, they mirror each other in many ways. Our pod is in first place at the halfway point of the year, just like the hockey team is. The uh, You mentioned a lot of things there. I was with the team in Colorado Springs this past weekend, and the new arena was fun. It was fun to go into a new building that is is brand new, just opened in October. The guys had nothing but good things to say about the intimate atmosphere. It's obviously very different from what we're used to at the Ralph. You know, it's about about an eight thousand seat difference between those two facilities. But that's again one of the beauties of college hockey that you can have this sort of small, tight knit little you know barn on campus that provided great atmosphere and great energy. And you can have you know a beautiful 12,000-seat facility that's almost like an NHL venue. And these are the two teams in the same conference. It's, it's really one of, the, one of the fun things about this particular sport that you can have those sorts of experiences as a student athlete and as a fan as well. Yeah, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think uh, like anything else, you right-size it to your institution. And so that's what that's what you saw. And it's always kind of cool walking in and playing in a, a first year building. And so I'm sure they're working out tweaks and trying to figure that all out. But, uh, you know, I know, um, you know, Lonnie Lafine was, uh, um, you know, uh, very, very instrumental in that whole building and very, very sad that he passed away um, this past year. And so, um you know, it's a uh, it's exciting for for CC to be able to uh, to be in a building like that, and yeah, very impressive for our guys. Uh, you know, CC had not been swept all year, and so uh, to be able to you know get that done on the road minus a couple of uh, guys, especially you know your captain on Saturday night as well, and so you know all those things were kind of you know I guess. Um, you know, going in, you had to kind of deal with that, but also gave other guys opportunities. And that's what's neat about it, right? Like, I mean, because you never know when your opportunity is going to come. And so, you know, some of our guys that that maybe uh, didn't get as many shifts or ice time, they had to kind of ramp it up a little bit. Well, Bradbury talked about that, I think, in post game, really both Friday and Saturday. Because Friday, again, they, they came into the weekend without Jake Sanderson, without Ashton Calder. And as you said, they lose Mark Sendon, who played great. I think he had eight points in his last six games, had a couple of points on Friday night, and really led from the front. He can't go on Saturday. 
And Brad just talked about how proud he was of how this group just continues to step up. And guys just, when there's a vacuum there that's that's open because of someone being injured, someone being out, guys have just stepped up to fill that void. And that was the case all weekend long. And that's really been the case for much of this season. And that you mentioned the ceiling of this group. It is exciting to think what they'll be able to do when they're all healthy, when they're all together again. I don't think we've seen this team at full strength maybe since the Denver series at the beginning of November. I mean, they just, they've had a couple of key pieces out for a variety of reasons. Denver, Miami, probably those first two NCHC series. The last couple of weeks against these top quality opponents, they've kind of been piecing it together. And all those guys should be back when we get to Cornell come the first weekend of January. And that's exciting to see what this team will be. Yeah, no no year-enders, right? And so uh, just... Uh, guys that are just going to miss time and, and every team's going to go through that for sure. Uh, but you're right. Um, I thought the other thing that Brad mentioned, uh, which is right, is that we really had no, no week off, no weekend off. And so, uh, you know, given the fact that we had the extra game this year, the hall of fame game down in Nashville that, uh, and, you know, and that was its own weekend itself. I know that was only one game, but you know, there's just a lot going on there. And so, uh, um, you know, so I think this time will be great for, for a lot of the guys to kind of just, uh, you know, hit a reset button a little bit. Obviously we've got a couple that are uh, heading to Canada and, uh, and, and to play in the juniors. And so we'll see what, you know, happens with them, but, you know, that's always, you know, an awesome uh, opportunity for, for um, guys to go and represent their country. And a lot of times they come back and they have a different step, uh, you know, and, and so we'll see what happens this time around, but, you know, knock on wood. I mean, I was kind of looking at the calendar, even if I think uh, teams make it to the gold medal game, I, I think that's on like a Wednesday, the fifth or something to that effect. So I, you know, who knows how it goes and at least they're not, you know, in a different time zones around the world. So uh, who knows what transpires there, but, uh, but I know uh, all eyes and grand forks will be on that tournament for sure. Yeah. It will be a lot easier for Jake and Tyler, uh, Jay and Jake Sanders and Tyler Clement expected to be on team USA again, after winning a gold medal with that group last year, it'll be easier for those guys to get back from Edmonton versus getting back from Slovakia or the Czech Republic, or some other places where this tournament has been in recent years. So it'll be fun to watch. That tournament starts December the 26th, and like you said, goes all the way through the holiday period. Team USA looking for back-to-back goals, and it'll be, again, fun to watch those guys. All those games, by the way, on NHL Network, uh, called by Dave Starman. Our good friend Dave Starman is going to be on the call for those, so be sure to tune in and see how Team USA does. Speaking of Team USA, while Team USA's under you know, 21 age, under 20 age players are up in Canada. The U18s are going to be in Grand Forks on January 1st. That'll be North Dakota's next game in exhibition with a special 2.30 start time, a matinee bill on New Year's Day. Talk to me why 2.30 made the most sense that day. Yeah, so we've got a basketball game that evening. And so we've got a Summit League game that night. And we, we, we actually... Before COVID did its COVID things, um, we were actually going to toy with a uh, afternoon game last year. Um, and, uh, and so during this time, during the holiday season, just to see what, you know, what might make sense. And, uh, you know, I think that's something that, uh, you know, other 
institutions have done around that time frame, and you know sometimes maybe just appeals to a different crowd too. And so uh, we're excited about it to see what could transpire that particular day. And uh, yeah, and then we follow it up with a with a hoops game that night. And so uh, so it's still you know for our staff it was just a difference between you know who's playing when really at the end of the day it's still going to be two events. So it's just uh, you know do you play the hoops first or do you play the uh, hockey first? So so we chose to go down down this direction. We'll see what transpires. Yeah, it should be fun. It kind of makes for something different, a little different routine going in early. It'll it'll be, um, yeah, fun to be at the rink at noon, you know, versus being there at five. But uh, looking forward to that game against the National Team Development Program, a couple of UND commits on that team. And then, of course, that night, as you said, not just a summer league game, but South Dakota State coming up to the Betty. So that'll be fun. The men hosting SDSU, the women will be on the road in Brookings. And you can watch both of those, the NTDP game, and the men's scoops game on Midco if you can't make it out there in person uh, to celebrate 2022 and kick it off in style. One other hockey notes, big news since our last pod that the NCHC commissioner, Josh Fenton, the only commissioner the league has ever known since it began play back in 2013, is making a switch uh, from the NCHC to the Summit League. So from one league that we know and love to another, Bill, uh, obviously Josh has done a phenomenal job with the NCHC. You're, you're a part of this process as one of the athletic directors in the Summit League and with the NCHC as well. What made Josh the right fit for the Summit? And kind of talk us through that process. Yeah, so uh, so a couple things. Uh, yeah, I've uh, been really fortunate to be able to uh, work with Josh the last four years. So if you take the kind of maybe the eight years in general. So Brian Faison kind of took the first four and then he passed me the baton and I've been running around the track ever since. So he Brian had the heavy lifting, though. He had to kind of formulate the conference. I kind of came in as just sort of the guy that's already been, the things are, the race has already been going on. So, you know, I found my way to the, let's just say track. And so, uh, yeah, I, he, um, you know, good for him. He's done such a phenomenal job, uh, you know, since, uh, the league's inception and I think a couple things. So I was not part of the, uh, so every every university had a, a representative, and for us on the search committee, it was Dr. Armacost. We just it was either going to be a president, AD, senior women's administrator, faculty, athletic rep, or a student. And so Dr. Armacost uh, was our rep, which is great, awesome. And so um, you know, from what I gather, we had a really good um, pool of candidates. And, um, and, you know, obviously with Josh's experience over the last uh, eight years or so, uh, and then previously his experience on campus experience, um, given the fact, you know, some folks would say, well, why would you be interested in doing that? Well, when you're part of a multi-sport conference, there's only 32 of those in the country in Division One, And so now he is one of 32 of those commissioners. And, and here's what I'll say, Alex, you, you're either at that table or you're not based on that one through 32. And you know what will be fascinating because of his background now in what goes on in the hockey world, there's no doubt that those other 31 commissioners, if there's ever a hockey question, 
they're staring straight at Josh, you know, about what does that look, you know, what does that look like? What does that mean? And so I think there's some, you know, positive um, pieces for the hockey community to have someone that is that well-versed at that table. Now, from the Summit League standpoint, obviously, uh, Tom Dupel spent about 18 years as the uh, commissioner of the Summit League, did some uh, tremendous things, left us in great shape at this point in time. I think a very attractive mid-major type conversation conference and uh you know i think with the with the success of the of the basketball tournament that goes on each and every year in sioux falls i just think there's a lot of positive um you know uh momentum for the conference and then looking ahead obviously we're dealing with a lot of things in the ncaa right now and i think it was incredibly important that we had someone that had kind of a bold vision potentially but had experience about you know you know what could be next for a conference like the summit league so i think you kind of wrap all that up and it just seemed like josh you know became a, a great great candidate so we're excited he's got to do he's going to have to uh, deal with two feet in two pools and ponds for a second or two. And he's going to get us through uh, St. Paul in, uh, in March. And obviously we'll help him. Uh, you know, uh, you know, all the, the schools will help him for sure. You know, he's got that thing fairly well dialed, um, but you know, we certainly understand that. And then of course, you know, he's going to uh, be doing some things, at least monitoring some things with the summit league uh, as, as life goes on because of all the things that literally are happening in real time right now with the NCAA long answer. Sorry about that, but that's kind of, you know, kind of where we're at with him, but I know there's an excitement in the summit league, you know, based on his experience. And uh, you know, if you kind of, you know, polled Omaha and Denver and, and UND, we've certainly talked to our counterparts and said, you know, we're uh, you know, we're going to be in great hands with, uh, with his leadership. Yeah, it was a great choice. And by the way, it's okay that it was a long answer. This is your podcast. <laughs> there's no there's no time limit you can do whatever you want to Bill. really it's, it's others they can turn it off they can turn it off if they don't they can fast the forward thing. they can turn it off they can do a lot of things exactly that's it's on them not on you it's on them to make those choices uh josh uh, obviously again phenomenal job with the nchc i actually caught up with him in colorado springs because that's where the league is based and he was at game two on saturday night and he did mention that balance of like trying to make sure that everything is working well in both conferences. And he's kind of been just a week or so into this dual role. And uh, he said, it's a lot. And they're kind of figuring out everything with their family and stuff. But they, uh, he's just really excited for the opportunity and really went into this, I think, with you know a heavy heart knowing that he was going to leave something special that he helped build and create and, and make into the premier conference in the country in, in the NCHC. But also the excitement of moving closer to home. He's a Minnesota guy, closer to family as they move to Sioux Falls, where the Summit League is based. Uh, a chance now to take on this new project uh, in, in a league, as you said, that is in great shape, that is one of the best mid-majors in the country. And there's room for growth there. And it's, it is fun that we'll be able to continue working with him now, that he's not leaving the NCHC and going someplace else. He's staying in our backyard. This, this is our conference. So works out pretty good. Excited to have him on board. Yeah, you know, you know how analytical Josh is and thoughtful he is. He'll do a great, great job um, for us as he transitions in. And, uh, you know, it's such an important time uh, for us to kind of figure out, you know, how is this all going to shake out? You know, we, we can talk a lot about, you know, constitution this and constitution that. I, 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 all of this, generally speaking, is code word for how does division one operate? 
on a, on a day-to-day basis because division two and three, they've, they've, they've kind of said, Hey, if you're willing to at least still continue to uh, give us a certain amount of revenue, you know, each, each, you know, year, we're okay with that. And we're going to continue on with what we're doing. So that's a good chunk of the association and membership, but really you're talking about the 350 schools that there's just a wide range of, of conferences, uh, program affiliations, as far as, you know, what you offer as far as sports sponsorship is concerned. And then you've got the big, you know, FBS football piece that still, you know, needs to be vetted and discussed. And, you know, that's, that's really what I'd be very fascinated in the next month or so of, of how those conversations are going to go. And, and, and honestly, we really haven't had those conversations yet. We've had very macro conversations, but we need a leader for sure um, that can kind of vet through all that and is experienced in some of this stuff. And so, uh, um, so we're excited about having uh, join us. Work to be done from an NCAA perspective on a lot of those different things. Uh, work to be done now, by the way, for the NCHC as they have a new commissioner to have to seek out. Any insight on what that process now will look like and what that timeline will be? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think um, I think there's a little bit of time right now to, to, to pause, breathe a little bit. And I think given, I, and I really do appreciate both conferences working together and realizing uh, that we're literally in the middle of, of, of this one sport season that, you know, it would never be, um, it's never a great time for a lot of different things when there's a departure or not. But when you have a one sport season and you're like literally right in the middle, middle of it and coming to the end of it, I think the Summit League did a great job of recognizing that and making sure that Josh had the ability to kind of see this one through, so to speak. But just knowing him personally and professionally, he just doesn't have it in him to, to, to really not see what's happening on the other side, too. So, so, you know, we have to do a good job, especially, you know, the three schools um, that are in both, I think, need to do a really good job uh, of helping, um, you know, making sure that the transition can be as, as great as it can be. You know, we've even talked about, you know, trying to help in St. Paul to some degree, you know, how, what does that look like administratively? I mean, we're we're knock on wood fortunate or not fortunate. We're kind of in that every other year mode with regionals. Mm-hmm. This year's a, a non-regional year, so you know, hold, you know, we just need to step up and figure it out because it will help everyone at that point in time. Things to monitor as the months go along. So best of luck against everybody in both conferences as they work through this transition. And again, congratulations to Josh on making the move over to the Summit League, the Summit League's premier sport. Basketball, very much in the middle of things right now. Non-conference play starting to wrap up, both the men and women for UND in the midst of it. They've got conference games coming in nine days, Bill, December 22nd. That's crazy. Week and a half, and we'll be there. Uh, The women's hoops team, pretty good little run. They had won three in a row uh, going into this past weekend against Marquette. Tough, tough loss uh, against a good Marquette team, but... Uh, some positive things there. They're one game below 500. A couple of games coming up this week. One at home, one on the road uh, before they start conference play against NDSU at home on the 22nd. Thoughts on Mallory Bernard in, in this group right now as they get ready to make that push into conference play? Yeah, so both both teams were recording on a Monday here. Um, so it probably get 
out onto the street, so to speak, Tuesday or at the latest Wednesday. So we've got a men's basketball non-division one game on Tuesday and a women's game on Wednesday. And so knock on wood, you know, I, I know it's finals week and there, there's some things going on, but, you know, knock on wood, hopefully uh, both teams take care of business there. And if, if Mallory does, you know, that will kind of even the record at five and five. And, you know, and then I think you go into, uh, you know, a road game and, uh, and, and again, never easy to win games period, but never easy to win on the road. And, you know, with an opportunity potentially of, uh, you know, being above 500 in the, uh, in the non-conference season, a portion of our season. So that, that's certainly something that to strive for, but, uh, and then you're right, then you turn it right around and, uh, and we just get right into it, uh, summit league wise and uh, no better team to play than NDSU. Yeah, the numbers look really good on this team. I, I, when you look at this women's team, and again, it's always tough in the non-conference based on who you're playing and where you're playing. And and I know UND has been down a lot of starters in these different games for a variety of reasons. But percentage-wise, like they're shooting above 40%, and they're defending right about that same rate. They've gotten some really good individual efforts from like Casey Baravich, for example, who's healthy. She's averaging 18 points a game. They've got three players in double figures. They're balanced in scoring, but they have some go-to players. Again, positive returns from the first month and a half or so of this season. Again, still figuring it out with some new pieces, but they've been fun to watch. And I think the, the future is really bright for this group. Yeah, so Casey with Casey and Olivia out those first few games, uh, and now now knowing what we know right now, we we kind of thought that they would be potentially you know two of our top scores on the team, and and certainly you knew Liv was going to uh, to rebound the basketball. So at the end of the day. Um, you know, you probably missed about 30 points or so early in the year. And so that's, uh, you know, but, but now you're trying to still work it through. And, you know, what I was impressed with on Saturday, uh, well, well, one, I was really impressed with Marquette, number one. Uh, they came to play and uh, they shared the basketball. They had like 33 assists. They broke a, a team, a school record, 33 assists, I think like on 40 baskets or something mm. crazy like that. So, so they were really sharing the basketball well. We didn't turn it over all that much. They just were really good. <laughs> they were really, really good. And, but I, we kept playing, I mean, kept playing and, and, and won the fourth quarter, which I thought was, was, was good for the team. And, uh, and I think that heads us into this week and uh, we just got to finish this non-conference portion as strong as, as, as we can. Yeah. Big, big couple of games. And as you said, games that you'd hope you could get victories in to have that upward momentum going into that game against North Dakota State. Again, at home, December the 22nd at 7 o'clock. So big, big games on the way uh, for this women's squad. Same, similar story for the men. And the success hasn't quite been there as they're still figuring things out of late. Again, a couple of tough losses on the road to California and then falling at home against Eastern Washington this past weekend. Shooting has just sort of been the issue for this team. They just have had a tough time getting it to go the last couple of weeks. And, you know... It's hard to beat teams when you only score, you know, in the 50s or in the 60s. And that's what this North Dakota team is dealing with right now. Yeah, you know, you know, and so uh, it hasn't been lack of uh, uh, effort. It hasn't been lack of um, running uh, and executing an offense and getting good shots. They're just not falling right now. And uh, I think I heard Coach say there after the game, I think we were eight, eight for 31 for in for twos on Saturday. And, you know, so, you know, and again, I, I thought Eastern's length, bothered us a bit um, and they did a really good job uh, offensively and they, they kind of uh, they, they got us into some mismatches for sure. But um, 
you know, with Caleb out uh, with a little bit of an injury right now, uh, the one thing that, um, as we saw in the Montana game, when he made the, you know, that last play of the game, um, he's kind of our guy that I think can, can, can do that. Go to, go to the uh, break down a defender and, and, and get to the rim. And uh, so certainly that's, you know, we hope to get him back here uh, in short order. Uh, but you're right, Alex, um, tough to win a game if you're not shooting it. So, you know, we've had some, we've had some challenges shooting it. And, uh, uh, but, you know, I, I think uh, as, 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 as Coach Sather said, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a puzzle right now. And we're trying to figure out where the pieces need to fit. And uh, you know what? That's why you play the season. You just keep grinding. And, uh, you know, once they start falling, I, I, it's just going to be interesting. I think we're going to see the best of this team moving forward. Well, champions aren't crowned in December, you know, in basketball. No. I mean, that's, no. that's the one nice thing about this is that you take that non-conference portion, especially again, like you said earlier, so many new guys. I mean, it's a completely different team outside of a couple of returners. Yeah. And they're still figuring things out. And, you know, like I said, Caleb Nero is their leading scorer right now, and he didn't play the last two games. They've had some good contributions from new guys. Again, Paul Bruns, um, the young man from South Dakota, here we go, has been great as, as a freshman, started a couple of games now, and uh, certainly, Mitchell Sucker has, has been great now in his second year with the program. They're getting they're getting contributions, but it's just a matter of these guys finding their roles and figuring out D1 basketball. So many of these guys are coming in from JUCO or from D2, and, and that takes a little bit of time to adjust. Yeah, I, I think you're hitting on a couple things, and I, I don't want to be Pollyanna here. I want to win the games. How, how about that? I mean, I, I, you're probably better off learning through a win than potentially learning through losses. But this is what we have headed, and you're right. We've got a couple guys, uh, you know, between uh, our, our two guys um, from JUCO that I think it, it takes a little bit because the, 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 the pace, the pace is just different. Uh, it's just the, the, the um, you know, and then, then you're going, you know, based on our non-conference schedule, a lot of times we could be playing, you know, the tippity top of say of division one, so to speak. And so at the end of the day, you know, the pace definitely, I think it, it takes a bit. And then, uh, and then there's some true freshmen that, that Paul is, you know, they're earning the stripes right now. And so, uh, you know, all of those things, and then he's kind of playing that 10, 11 guys, and you're trying to figure out who's the matchup for that particular game. So, you know, more to come, but uh, you know, I'll, I'll be interested to see how things continue to evolve. Yeah, the men take on North Central at 7 o'clock on Tuesday at the Betty. They host Dixie State at 1 o'clock on Saturday. And then December 22nd in Fargo, North Dakota State, they kick off the conference portion of the season. So some big games on the way for Paul Sather and company as they wrap up non-conference play to get ready for the Bison. The only other sport that's going right now is indoor track and field. And they had a meet uh, back at the start of December down in Fargo. Their only pre-Christmas meet. Their only meet really till the, till the middle of January. Uh, good to see, again, our, our runners and jumpers and throwers getting back into things. Um, both teams, by the way, the men's and the women's team picked fourth in the Summit League indoor preseason poll. Uh, this it, It's going to be a fun group. Jim Berenkamp's got a good thing going, and he actually has now a, a full collection of coaches. We made some hires here in the last couple of weeks as well. Yeah, yeah. So uh, agreed, Alex. You know, um, you know again, really odd timing on a lot of these things. And, uh, and so I think, uh, you know, as, as Jim finally uh, got his feet set, we said, Oh, by the way, uh, okay. I know you're on this side of the HR fence. Now you're on that side of the HR fence. And so that's kind of where we went. And so, yeah, he's got a uh, full complement of coaches and uh, all leading 
all leading, and I just got off a, a call before this one, is, uh, you know, conversations about hosting the Summit League Championships, which is going to be exciting for us. It really will be. And, uh, you know, so we're talking about, you know, kind of how we're, you know, handling the streaming and some of that stuff. And uh, it'll just be uh, outstanding. And I know we've got a few other home uh, events as well, but uh, it should be very, very exciting for folks. First time ever that UND will host the Indoor Track and Field Championships February 25th and 26th at the Pollard Center. It's going to be great. Um, it's just, that's such a special, anytime you have a championship meet, indoor, outdoor, cross country, et cetera, when you're, when you're crowning champions, when people are advancing on to the next round, that's exciting. And especially in these team competitions, like you will see, if you've not been to one of these before and you just love sport or you love the Olympics or you love whatever, go out and watch this. That's going to be a lot of fun. I know it's like two months away, but pencil that in on your calendar, February 25th and 26th to check out the Summer League Indoor Track and Field Championships on campus at UND. You know what I think we do uh, on the pod sometime in January? I think we, we bring Jim on and because yes. I do think it would be really good to, 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 to just hear from him um, about his impressions uh, since he's uh, joined us here at UND, but then probably previewing a little bit about the uh, about the Summit League as well. So maybe sometime mid-January we'll do that. I'm in. Let's do it. Pencil it yeah. in. Yeah. yeah. Let's go into that. Yeah, I I could do producing too. I mean, uh, we, <laughs> yeah, we we, we, could, we 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 do it all on the spot. A lot of different hats being worn. A lot of mm. different hats here. I tell you what, that's what makes it a great pod, though. First place pod. That's. <laughs> oh. With no games in hand. No games in hand. No, no, no. no not no, like no. the Spurs. Oh, boy. We're going to get to that in just a second. So B-side topic uh, is coming on the way. Um, one other coaching thought really quick. With volleyball, how's the coaching search going? Yeah. You know, in the process, uh, you know, we um, have to uh, kind of wait a little bit and, uh, and, and uh, wait for, let, let's just say, wait for the candidates to bake, if you will. And so then we can pull, pull what we have out of the oven and, and see where we go. So, uh, you know, in process um, and, and truly, I, I never know when it's going to end per se. Uh, you really don't. And so, uh, so it, in the midst, in process is, is probably the best I can give you today. Um, I will say this, if we're doing our next pod early January, I would be surprised if we're not, uh, if we're not talking about a new head coach at that point in time. Yeah, good to know. The cookies should be baked by then and, and ready to be. Okay, good. That's good. That's a good, that's a good Christmas analogy. Yeah, little holiday cookies. Yeah, it was perfect. I'm not sure. What's your favorite holiday cookie? Ooh, um... I would say I have two. So I love the little peanut butter blossoms. Oh, peanut butter I was just going to say, same one. Yes. Kiss in yeah. the middle. That's, my, that's probably my favorite. Yeah. Hot. Hot too. Imagine oh my when goodness. It's hot. Out of the oven when the chocolate's like melty still. That's that's next level. I My mom used to make really good sugar cookies that we would then frost and kind of the classic Christmas cookies. Those are always really good too. There's nostalgia there, but probably the peanut butter blossoms are, we're on the same page there. What, what about, what about, um, it, we had this conversation yesterday um, I, and I'm not a big fan, a ginger snap. Okay. They're, they're okay. Mm. I, if, you, if you offered me one, I wouldn't say no, but I also wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't pick it out of a lineup. I know we're heading towards the B side already. It is, and maybe we're there. We're there. Are we? We're are we there? there. We flipped. Are, we're there. We can start cookies and candy. So we've had some conversations. I, I tend, not that this is healthy or not, but I do bring in candy for the department. And we've learned, we've learned that Whoppers are easily a sixteen seed. 
Mm. Easily. So th- those are what remains in the bowl. The Whoppers every time picked up. Mm. Every time. I mean, you you could mix it with all kinds of other things. It, the Whoppers are a 16 seed. There's something about the little malted milk ball, I guess, that just some people just don't like. They're kind of hard and crunchy, and they're, again, another one. They're okay, but I, I, that wouldn't be my top choice. I, that wouldn't be going for those if they were in the bowl. I can tell you what goes first is the Reese peanut butter cup. Not a surprise. Again, peanut butter and chocolate. People love that combination. I know. Those are my my daughters. That's their that's their favorite. They love the Reeses. At Halloween, that was the big. That was when they got a Reese's candy. My four year old and my two and a half year old. Like just the excitement was really, really high. Those those have been eaten real fast in our house. So you wait a year. You you are you're again a band behind us as far as kids are concerned. So technically you wait a year, I think, and then you can maybe provide your child a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And uh we found out on my third one, he's allergic to peanut butter. Oh. So there was that. And then the Chaveses went a good decade without peanut butter in their house. Oh, man. I know. Safe. That's that's tough. That's a blow. That'd be that was a tough one. Yeah. Yep. We went into um almond butter land. Mm. Eh, not peanut butter, but it's 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 okay. Speaking of Christmas stuff, what are some Shaves Christmas traditions? What are some of the things you and the family will do? Uh, yeah. You, you know, that's a really good question. Um, you know what? We're getting older. That's what I'll tell you. And, um, and so, you know, those traditions, I think when you have children that are, you know, let's just say in that five, six range to 16, it's different than when now all your children are above that. And so our traditions now have become more, we're up before them. I mean, tremendously (laughs) and, um, sleep seems to be a good tradition for, for, for the kids. And so uh, I think that's where we're at at this stage of the game. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing how it does. It, it just shifts. It changes. And, and then, you know, within a couple of years, you know, they'll maybe be married and have children and you get a chance to relive all that as grandparents. That's yeah. Fun. You have that 10, you really have a 10 year window, really. It, it really five to 15 ish, somewhere in that range. I mean, but you know, Early on, zero to five, you know, the kids might like the box and the wrapping paper more than the actual what's inside. Then you get to what's inside. And then, again, gift cards and cash become sort of the deal. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I hate to say that that's the trek, but that was the trek for, for, the, for the household. I just enjoy the season. I mean, for sure. And, you know, you, you know, you have the ability to kind of, I, I think we, we are kind of a, a games games type family. So we'll always kind of do the game thing. And, uh, and that's kind of, you know, I think we talked about it during Thanksgiving time that that's kind of what we would, we, we do. And it, it's always a, it's always a fun time to be able to just kind of sit back during that two week period. It feels like um, everyone's kind of hitting a pause button, right? There's not as many emails flying and uh, it's, you can kind of sit back and, you know, reflect a bit. Yeah, it is special. That is one of the nice things, even though there are games, we talked about that. I mean, there's a couple of games right before Christmas. There are some coming right after. It's just different though, when school's not in session, when it isn't quite the same pace and you can spend that time with your family and just enjoy. And I know last year we've reflected so much this month about how last year, you know, we were in the pod, we were doing the NCHC pod at this time, 365 days ago and how much more relaxed and normal this year has been and how much 
I guess I know people that I, that I worked with down in Omaha and people now that I work with still, they've just appreciated this year so much more. Be, just the fact you can be with your family, that you can't have sort of a normal lead up to Christmas, that it isn't like <laughs> you haven't been cloistered in a different city for three weeks and then you get back and it's like the 22nd of December and like, oh my gosh, Christmas is like two days away. What are we, what are we going to do? This, this has just been just a, a blessing to, to be with my kids this year. And it's, it's nice to have that, that pause like you're talking about to really enjoy it. Yeah. And, you know, I, and I think this will, uh, this will um, connect nicely with our next conversation. But as we've seen, you know, the virus is still kind of running rampant, right? We're seeing uh, teams getting shut down. We're seeing, uh, you know, um, folks uh, obviously being isolated for, you know, a 10 day period or what have you. And, you know, maybe it doesn't uh, take down the entire team, but it could take down some individuals. And so, you know, I guess we just have to be mindful of that as well as as this next variant kind of, uh, I think I heard this morning is in 30 states, right? And so it's going to be in all 50 states uh, this just in. And so, uh, but I think you just, as long as you can hopefully protect yourself as best as you can from it. Um, certainly that's a uh, something that uh, is still very real and still very out there. I should say that even though it feels more normal this year, it certainly still isn't back to the way it was, you know, a couple of years ago. And people are still getting sick and still being hospitalized and still going through this. And uh, obviously, this is you know, this is a sports podcast, kind of first and foremost. And Bill's favorite team in the EPL, the Tottenham Hotspur. You, you've been on pause for two weeks. Uh, they, obviously, they've had a couple of games now postponed. Their European League game has been postponed. Their uh, their English Premier League game this weekend against Brighton has been pushed back now a couple of days. Their manager has said, we're all scared. We're, we're a bit scared right now. And this is, you know, Antonio Conte is a hard man. Like this is a guy who was a, a physical terror as a player. And is the, the fact that he's seeing his staff and his players get infected with this. And it's at a pretty high rate at their club to the point where they have had to postpone. It is a little scary that this, this is happening. And there's, there seems to be no stopping it at this point. Yeah, his. Uh, I thought his press conference um, was uh, raw, real. Um, I thought the way he described it, I don't think it was hyperbole. I think he was, you know, as as he said, you know, we're we're just waiting for the next round of tests to see, you know, who potentially could be infected, and that's not a great place to be. So they finally did, I think, shut it down at some point, do the deep clean, take a pause. And then come back and see where that goes. And you know, for the for Spurs, they ended up having a, a weather related postponement as well. And so, so you, you had a couple things happening for them. And so they're they're and 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 if you follow the pod, and when Alex and I talk about you know the games uh, around uh, the holidays, you know, there's always stacked games fixtures, if you will, as they like to call them in in, in England. And you know, so they're going to have to figure out their schedule at this point in time. And part of me says that. That, that UEFA tournament, which is the third European tournament, not the first, not the second, but the third, um, they had to, they were even on points to try to make it in there. Now, having said that, the way the other result went, they literally would have to now just play the match and win. If they win at home, they would be moving on. But I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I have my suspicions. I, you know, maybe maybe from a financial standpoint, it makes sense to play. Uh, certainly for a UEFA standpoint, I, I'm not sure it makes sense for the Spurs. 
it's going to be a lot of matches. I mean, that's you're, you're trying to now reschedule two Premier League matches and now this Conference League match. And if you're going to have more matches on Thursdays to get in when you get into the knockout stages, assuming you do beat Ren, I mean, that's going to be a lot for this team to sort of manage. Not to mention, again, the fact you just said they have to play like four games in maybe a week and a half over Christmas, like they always play right before Christmas. You play on Boxing Day, you play on like the 28th or 29th, you play on New Year's Day. It is a congested fixture list coming up, and now they've added at least three more games to that mix, and everybody's coming off illness. It's just not a great recipe for success for the Spurs team, which has not really had a great season really to begin with. So it, I, I got a little chuckle, and I probably shouldn't have, but in The Guardian, the headline regarding this, especially the Conference League stuff, Tottenham's Conference League tale of disaster awaits its latest twist. That was the headline of the article. That's when you know <laughs> things are... Things are out of the norm with this club right now. And we just, we just hope, again, hope people that have been infected are not experiencing the worst symptoms and can overcome this and that no one gets seriously ill. And then they can get back to just playing games and going on with life. But, man, it's just been wild to watch the last couple of weeks unfold with that club. Well, I think it's the best, um, best possibility of them, um, I guess, not being in the tournament. They actually potentially don't have to lose their way out. They might just end up... If apparently you need to get the match in before December 31st. So, and if that doesn't work, then they just might be done and out. And if that's the case, again, they didn't have to, again, suffer a loss to have to go down that path. But at the end of the day, um, you know, interestingly, they still sit seventh in the, in the, uh, in the league and they have two games in hand, which would get them to fourth if you could ever win the matches, but actually you have to go win them. And so that's hard to do. Um, but, you know, the ones they, you know, it's not as if I know they're playing Liverpool on Sunday, but it's not like Liverpool and Chelsea that they missed. They missed Burnley and Brighton. And so those are, you know, two teams that can get you for sure, but you could certainly get them too. I would agree with that. Yeah. They're, I mean, again, as bad as it's been, that's the crazy thing. As, as bad as it's been, they're doing okay, really. It's really not disaster, the fact that they have played two less games and you're sort of in the mix of this whole thing. But it just about, yeah, depends on when can they start playing again, how how many guys will be out because of this when they resume, and how can they deal with the massive games that they've got to play. So we'll we'll be watching, and we'll see how it all shakes out. Yeah, it's not an easy schedule on the way, certainly. no. And the one thing, you know, we've said all along, it's a very clear top three. And then there's a line and then everyone, uh, maybe there's about six teams vying for that fourth. Maybe. The crazy thing is when you talk about the difference, if you look at goal difference in the Premier League right now, Man City plus 24, Liverpool plus 33, Chelsea plus 27. That's their goal difference. West Ham, who's currently in fourth right now, and they're Eight points off third place Chelsea. They're a plus nine. Nobody else, literally, nobody else in the league has a positive goal difference. Nobody else in the league. So it is a pretty clear top three. Good battle 
between, like you said, West Ham, Man United, Leicester, Arsenal, Spurs in that mix. A lot of teams could still get that fourth spot and then kind of everybody else. That's what's actually, I, I, that's the only thing I'm grabbing hope on because at some point, Spurs were actually worse than what they were right now. And, and But not everyone else is running away with it either. Like, like it seems like there should be much more distance between how they've played. The gap should be larger and it's not. You're three points back of fourth place with two games in hand. So, and I go. don't, I don't know much about Antonio Conte, but he's pretty good. He's a pretty good manager. He would, he would be elite. You would say he would be one of the top tier. So you got a good one there running the show. Yeah, he won't be there long for sure. He doesn't. That's not his his uh, the way he rolls. But he will make it better. I would agree with that. It was a, it was a good hire. It was a really really good hire. So, best of luck to the Spurs as they figure all this out. Uh, two last really quick points. Did you see the Champions League draw came out this morning? Did you see this fiasco? The draw or redraw? The, the both of them, both of them. So the they got the pots screwed up. If you're not tracking on this. So the Champions League is the top competition in European club competition. It's the best teams. They played their group stage. They whittle it down from 32 to 16. You have your group winner and your group runner-up, and they're in different pots, and you, you, you pull the ping-pong balls out of the, out of the bowl, and, and somehow they screwed it up. And this never happens, but essentially it was like the system was on autopilot, or they were just trusting the computer and... Teams that shouldn't have been in the same pot were, and they did the whole draw, and then they were like, wait a minute, <laughs> something's not right, and they had to do it again. It's just, yeah, not great. They had to call a timeout. They had to uh, figure this thing out, and now I'm sure there's, let's just say, clubs that liked their first draw and maybe didn't like their second draw as much, mm-hmm. and I'm sure vice versa. Liverpool would be one of those. We originally had RB Salzburg, uh, and uh, now we get to play uh, Antonio Conte's old club, Inter Milan. We were the Italian mm-hmm. champions. So that's not great. Uh, Real Madrid was like in the same boat. I think they were originally drawn, gosh, with one of the weaker teams, Benfica maybe. And now they got to play Paris Saint-Germain. <laughs> so, you know, some people weren't thrilled with how it goes, but it just goes to show, even at a giant institution like that, with so many checks and balances and all this stuff, you can still just screw up on the day. It happens. It happens to the the quote unquote best of us. So it was funny. People it it does. They morning. they they figured it out. I think it was what was it was Man U. I think was the Man U uh, was this. Yep. Mm-hmm. Man U was the one who was like, uh, they they can't be playing each other, and they are. So something's wrong because they had played. If, if again. If you're not familiar with this, you can't play a team that you just played in the group stage in the round of 16, and you can't play a team who's in your same domestic league. So you can't play another team from your own country. They want to spread it out, get some different matchups. And Man United was drawing with a team that they had just played. And it was like, you know, people kind of raised their hands and say, excuse me, (laughs) we can't play that team. That's not how this is supposed to work. And then they realized that everything else had been screwed up too. So... Ah, good times. Good times all around in the Champions League. It's, it's, a, it's a fun competition. It's a great gateway into soccer because these are the best clubs in the world and the best players are playing. And it's a ton of fun. It was just fun to see them struggle a little bit this morning. So so give me give me just a, a quick uh, elevator speech on uh, Barcelona's exit out of uh, the Champions Ooh. League. So Barca, so first time that they have not made the round of 16 since 2000, 2001. I mean, it's been two decades plus of that team being in the knockout stages. 
they've been in crisis mode. Uh, I mean, really, for the last like I mean, two, three years or so, they've 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 made it to the like the the quarterfinals in recent season. I think they made the semis a couple of years ago, but they've lost in humiliating fashion in some of these games. Like Bayern Munich beat them like eight to two a couple of years ago in the quarterfinals. And so there's sort of been this cloud over the club and money's been an issue and the recruitment's not been great. And then this last off season, it finally comes to a head and they lose Messi. They don't have enough money because of La Liga rules and financial fair play to retain the, the greatest player potentially of all time who's been with that club since he was 14 years old. And obviously like that's a, that's a problem when you're one of the biggest clubs in the world and you can't keep a guy who wants to stay. And so since then, it's sort of been, you know, they didn't love their manager and then they finally let go of Ronald Koeman who'd been there for a year and a half and they bring in Xavi who's a club legend to come manage the team and he's trying to pick up the pieces and they're figuring it out and they still should have qualified for the round of 16, but they kind of stubbed their toe and they lost too many games and they found themselves having to beat Bayern Munich to get in and that wasn't going to happen and they ended up losing 3 nothing and and that's that. So it's it's a team right now that has a lot of good players. They still have good players, but they're in financial crisis and they're not very deep and they got a lot of guys hurt and they're it's it's a club that I'm sure we'll figure it out because they're too big to fail almost. But it's a concern for one of the biggest clubs in the world. Correct. So all of that plus, I think they're somewhere like around maybe ninth or 10th on their table this year. Yeah, they're not playing great. Again, that's why they got rid of Coleman because their their league form was terrible. And this is a team that wins. You finish. It, it is a huge failure for that club if they don't finish in first place in La Liga. And second place is like... I mean, the world is not necessarily crashing down, but if you lose to Real Madrid, I mean, that's the other biggest club in the world. Okay, that's fine. You can't finish outside the top two, though. Like, mm-hmm. that is, everybody's fired, and we clean house and move on. So the fact that they're mid-table, that's not good. No, no, not just uh, something to be watching on for sure. So let, probably last topic for us. I, I thought an interesting uh, trade that the, the Red Sox made, and uh, I was good with it. Yeah, um, right before everything got locked down and and the MLB basically disavowed all their players and puts uh, like the little black cutouts of the guys' faces on, on the websites, which is so bizarre. Uh, the Red Sox made a move. Uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. coming back to the club with a couple of prospects in exchange for Hunter Renfro. Big shakeup there. A little upgrade defensively, at least in terms of defensive coverage. Not, I mean, Renfro was great gunning guys out. Maybe not the best positionally in terms of tracking balls and things like that. Uh, and you were good with it. So tell me now, Renfro is again coming off a career season. Obviously, like really loved playing at Fenway. Thoughts on why this is a good trade for the Sox? Yeah, so I think a couple things. I, obviously, uh, you know, Jackie's always struggled at the plate. I mean, he's stre- probably the best thing to say he's streaky, you know. And so, but he plays an unbelievable center field. I, I think it does a couple things. One, it provides you a not only a, a good center fielder, but a gold glove center, center field. And then you can literally then think about Kike at second base, which originally he was signed to do. Now he was really good in center field as well. So I think those two things are pretty good. Obviously they took on some money, but they also got two prospects out of it, which I found interesting. Who knows if they'll uh, amount to, to much, but they were, you know, they were not, 
low, low end prospects in the Brewer system. So I thought that was interesting. And then the third thing, and I, we'll see if it happens or not, but I think it gives you a chance to potentially sign Schwarber. Mm. And, and, and if that happens and you were going to tell me now Schwarber's in left at right and you move Verdugo over to right and you've got Bradley in center, I, I think that's kind of maybe what it opens up you to do. Well, Jackie can cover. I mean, that's it. Like, Jackie can cover more ground. Now you've got a center fielder that can make up for maybe some of the deficiencies, if Schorber is in left, that he would bring to the table in that position. I think I think the Red Sox, are they're playing chess. Like, they're seeing the full board here, and I think there are moves to come still as this team puts its roster together. But it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting move to bring a guy back that was coming off such a horrible season at the plate, but his defense is so good. Stellar. It just it elevates this team. Yeah, stellar. And, and you know, and truly, what you would do with him is bat him eighth or ninth and just be done with it. I mean, that's that's what you do, and you just hope that he gets onto some streaks here and there. But but as we've seen, in you know, I grew up watching Jim Rice. Schwarber's no worse than Jim Rice. I mean, at the end of the day, you'll figure out how to play left field. Yeah. I mean, there's just not a lot of ground, and so as long as you can play the wall you're in pretty good shape. And so I, and I think Schwarber did a, did an adequate job trying to figure out first base. So he's got a little bit of an athletic piece to him at this point. And I just thought he was tremendous in the lineup. I thought he just lengthened the lineup. And so, but it, it's pretty clear what the Red Sox and, uh, and Hein Bloom are, are doing massive flexibility. They're not getting anchored. They're at today anyways, because the one anchoring contract that they're going to have to really think about is Devers. And so that's something that maybe sets it up too. And they kind of did some things with pitching kind of the one year guys. And, you know, it seems like, you know, if you can get a couple of those, you know, turned around a little bit, then I, I think they're going to be, uh, you know, I, I think that's his, his kind of plan at this point in time, because, I just don't think he wants to, you know, be the Texas Rangers where he, they signed in, in, and all of a sudden you're just, you literally have a financial anchor. Devers is a guy I'd be happy to be anchored to where he's young enough and good enough and, and there's versatility there. But you're right. That's it. That's a, that's one of the Red Sox guys. It's different than bringing in guys from other markets and giving them triple figure contracts. And then you don't know if it's going to work out. And especially in Boston, in that park and in that media market. You got to be a Boston guy sometimes to to want to put that kind of money. In. So, so I think this. I think that you knew Bradley can play in the market, and, yeah. and in fact, Bradley uh, people will love him. I mean, uh, they, they they will. So, so you, you, that is a win 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 in that regard. But you're right about Devers. I, I, look at you know he can play in Boston, and you know he can play in the postseason. I mean, those are two things he's obviously proven, and it goes all the way back. To I believe this to be true. Mookie Best didn't want to be there because he would be there if he wanted to be there. I I truly believe that. I I do. I I think he they gave he gave them uh, you know I, I think the idea that he probably wanted to test the market or maybe be in L.A. or wherever he is at this point. I hope Devers isn't in the same boat. We'll see. My my New Year's resolution is to never let you talk about Mookie Betts on this podcast again. <laughs> I wish I wish Mookie Betts was with the just, Red Sox. I do. Makes me sad. Makes me I sad do. I know. I, I mean, <laughs> to lose a guy in their prime in a major market is a, is is really crazy when you really think about it. That's tough. Tough one. Tough one. Still. 
but he didn't go to the Rangers or he didn't go to the Mariners or he didn't go anywhere in baseball. And he certainly didn't go to the Yankees. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he went to another major market and we never see him. Yep. He was, he was threading a needle with us. With us, you think so? Yeah. With this pod specifically. They- <laughs> with you and I toying with our emotions. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> that's right that's right well hey i alex i really do appreciate all that you do for uh und for uh, obviously what you do at midco and uh and just uh you know each year it, it's been awesome just uh being able to do this and kind of catching up and hopefully we we provide a little bit of insight behind the curtain on some things that that go on maybe a little different than where you would get some things otherwise so uh we do really appreciate you yeah, it is. It is such a fun pod to be a part of, and it's it's been a blast again this year. Twenty twenty one was another fun year to get to cover UND athletics. We got two football seasons in. We got everything that goes along with this past calendar year as we look back. We'll do a little more of that retrospective coming up on our Jan- our first show of January. But uh, fun to uh, close another year in the books. You know, the last thing you know, and and we'll do it on our January fourth one because then at that point we'll know who's in the FCS championship at that point in time. But we didn't talk anything about you know what transpired this past week. But we'll have a better. Obviously, Frisco will be uh, around the corner that weekend, so uh, we can talk about it then. Yeah, that'll be fun. Looking forward to all those things coming up. So a couple of weeks off here for the pod. We'll be back at the start of January. On behalf of Bill Shaves, our producer Cassie Niles, who by the way also is moving on. Cassie, thanks again for all your work. She's moving on to a different position with the university has done a tremendous job running through these doors over the last couple of years and all the other work that she does on a, on the video side of things one of the great people behind the scenes who not a lot of people know but you know her work well done cassie job well done yeah i mean if if you if you're even following twitter or whatever and you're seeing highlights like happening right away you're you're wondering how that just happens mm, not magic you know, it's folks like Cassie. And so uh, congratulations, Cass. Uh, she won't be too, too far away, which is awesome. So uh, good for her. What a great opportunity. Yeah, amen. Yeah, so thanks to Cass for producing this podcast for a lot of the 102 episodes that we have gone through. Well done to her. Um, happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you and yours. On behalf of Bill and Cassie, I'm Alex. Thanks again for listening. Enjoy the rest of 2021, and we'll see you in the new year. Mm-hmm.